Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. Like Corey said, my name's David, one of the pastors here, I get the privilege of preaching today, and this is a heavy text, like it is, really what it causes us to do is to look at sin and see the significance of it, and how sometimes we don't take it serious. But first, before I even say that, like I just want us to like, to pray, and then just to, just really just focus in, because what's cool is like, we've been led in worship Okay, and, and we weren't just led in worship because like, we like to sing songs. We got to come before the throne of God as Jeff and the team led us there. And the only reason that we get to do that is because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Otherwise, like literally, we wouldn't be able to come before God. He would strike us dead. We'd be stoned and have stones piled on top of us just like Achan gets. All right, so let's pray. Let's take in everything that's happened and then just let the Lord minister to us through his word. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for gifting these men and women that were up here and with voices and music abilities, God, to lead us to worship you. God, I pray and beg that it was pleasing to your ears. Lord, let us just now worship you through word. Give me the words to speak to, to your people, God, and just move in their hearts. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So like, Corey told you everything that was going on. It's so important to understand that and like where we've been and where we're going in the book of Joshua. Otherwise, it's like, what the heck's going on? Why is this guy stealing stuff? And why is he, why is he getting killed? And so, as Corey said, they went into Jericho after he did that amazing trumpet noise, right? Everyone should like just, Corey could play the trumpet and doesn't even need the instrument, all right? So like, they get into Jericho and they're running around, they're killing people because they're supposed to kill everyone, wipe them out, kill every man, woman, child, oxen, sheep, whatever, chickens, I don't know what animals they have, but kill it all, take the gold, the silver, the iron, and the bronze, and it all gets committed to the Lord's treasury, you're not supposed to take a bit of it for yourself. And we'll talk about that more later, but they're running through and emotions are high, I guess. I don't know. And Aiken's like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that for myself. He's got his little Indiana Jones satchel on the side, I picture it. And he just slips that gold bar in there, a couple other things. And he goes about his business. He's like, no one's ever going to know. God knew. And that's where we pick up today is that we see this story and, and you think, well, that wouldn't be me. Well, it probably would because there is a battle raging in our hearts. There's a battle raging in our hearts. See, the Israelites, they went to war Jericho and they didn't have to do much. They just marched around, blew the trumpets and they go in and God's presence is with them. They would wipe everyone out. They didn't have to do a whole lot, but there was another battle taking place and it was in the heart of the people to either be obedient to God or to not be obedient to God. And Achan did not win that battle. He gave in to the temptation of sin. And we are in the same spot. We have this battle going on to either obey Christ or to act out the desires of our wicked hearts. That's where we're at. There's, there's this spot where Achan was and he, he's like, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to take any of this. It was all supposed to go to the Lord's treasury, but he gave in to the lie. See, I picture Adam and Eve when I read this. That's where my mind went automatically was to Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve, they're in the garden 
and everything's good. It's very good, it says in Genesis 2. Everything is just the way it's supposed to be. They're in the presence of the Lord. And what happens is Satan comes along in the form of a serpent, and he whispers and lies to Eve. He says, did God really say you shouldn't eat that fruit? Did he really say you would die? Surely you won't die. And then he gets Eve questioning things. And what does she do? She eats of that fruit, and death and sin come across the whole mankind and the world. That's where we're at today. And so you see Achan running through this village. This is how I picture it. And he comes across, he's collecting the treasure for the Lord's treasury. And Satan whispers in his ear, did God really say you couldn't take any for yourself? You need to take care of you. What about you, Achan? What about your family? What about your inheritance? What are you supposed to leave your kids? How are you supposed to pay your bills? Achan, go ahead, take a little bit. No one will ever know. It'd be okay. Just go ahead and take a little bit. So he's running through, he's killing people, and the emotion gets him, and he's like, you're right. I need a little bit for myself. And see, we battle the same things. Right now, you might be struggling in your marriage. You're at work, and Satan whispers, hey, your spouse really hasn't been paying attention to you. Go ahead and flirt. It's cool. She's been paying a lot of attention to you. You, you, you deserve that. Like, God wants you to be happy. It'll be okay. Just go ahead and just flirt a little bit. It won't go anywhere. But then the lie keeps building and building upon it. And eventually you're in adultery and you don't know how you got there. It's because you believe the lie and there's a battle raging inside your heart and you chose to believe the lie and to give in and to break down this obedience to God and the sanctity of marriage. It didn't matter. Or maybe you're just struggling in your marriage. And God starts to whisper to you as a man, you don't need to lead. She don't want to listen to you. She, she's, not gonna, she's just going to do her own thing. Just forget about it. Do you and let her do herself. And it, it'll all be all right. Just, you don't need to lead and do your God-appointed role as a husband and as a father. And so you just shut down. Maybe you're the wife and the lie is getting whispered to you while that battle's raging in your heart that you're a more gifted leader than him. Why would you listen to him? God's wired you better to lead. You should lead this family. This is, look at how gifted you are and how precise you are with decisions. Just go ahead and step up and lead because he's not leading correctly. You should do it. Or maybe this one hit all of us because you might be saying, well, I'm not in either one of those camps. Guess what? Most of y'all got a stimulus check, right? And Satan whispered, you weren't expecting that money. You don't need to tithe off of that money. It'd be all right. Church ain't gonna know. You give online. Ain't no one checking. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm just saying, here's the reality of it, is that we start to have these battles raging in our hearts, and then what it leads to is more and more sin that keeps building upon one another. That's where we're heading. There's that battle. It's beginning in us, and we look a lot like Achan, and we don't realize it. We look at Achan, and we think, how could you do that? How could you give in? See, we're, we're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be different. Israel was called to be different. And that's why it matters how we respond to Satan's lies and the battle in our hearts when it comes to sin because God's people are meant to be set apart. This isn't just an Old Testament idea. This isn't something you can look at in the Old Testament and say, well, that doesn't apply to us. No, it does because listen to Peter's words, and this is in the New Testament for the New Covenant people, which is us, if you're a believer, it says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, this whole idea of not taking devoted things was because God wanted to show Israel that they were different. Of course, if you go into war, like I've watched enough movies, right? Like Vikings and warriors and stuff. Like, what do you do? You go into war, you kill everyone, you take all their plunder and you got it for yourself. And that's just how it works. But God's saying, no, you're not like everyone else. You're not taking any of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet your every need. You don't need to take anything. I've got you covered. It's devoted to the Lord's treasury to eventually one day build the temple. And yet... Achan sees it different. He sees this as restrictive. He sees it as harsh. He sees it as unnecessary. And the reality is that when we look at God's commandments, when we look at God's ways that he's called believers to walk in, we look at them and we say the same thing. Well, that's restrictive. You're trying to stop me from having fun, God. What the, what, what's up with that? You're, you're trying to be harsh. You're trying, some of this is unnecessary. It's outdated. It's antiquated. It doesn't apply anymore. And God's word has not changed. It's the same thing as it was yesterday and today. Like God's word matters. We're called to look different than the rest of the world. But the reality is we want to be set apart in eternity, but not right now. You want to be set apart in eternity because you don't want to burn in hell. Like that's it. Like who wants to, like I don't want to go to hell. Hope he sets me apart then. I want to look like Jesus, but I ain't going to look like Jesus right now, not on Friday night. Like, that's how we act. Like, we act like it doesn't matter how we act right now, but we just hope he shows us mercy. He will show you mercy, but he has saved us so that we look different. See, you're either aligned with God, you're either his ally, you're aligned with, aligned and the allies with the things that are devoted to destruction. Everything in that city of Jericho was devoted to destruction except for the treasure they were supposed to take for the Lord. Everything got killed and burned up. There was nothing left. And when Achan decided he was going to take those things, he aligned himself with the things to be destroyed. So when you align yourself with the world, you're aligning yourself to be destroyed. God's wrath is coming, yet we don't talk about it hardly ever. See, we're either going to reflect the beauty and the holiness of Jesus in our lives, or we're going to reflect the broken, prideful, self-centeredness of this world. That's just the reality of how it is. And so I want to ask you, do you reflect Jesus, and are you set apart from the world, or are you just like everyone else, but you just talk about some spiritual things every once in a while? Just because you talk about spiritual things doesn't make you a Christian. I don't care if you're sitting in this room. It does not make you a Christian. That's not what saves you. It is a confession of sin and a repentance of sin, which we'll talk about more later. See, we are more than just good people. We are a redeemed community of sinners who are set apart for God's special purpose. That's who we are. And we need to believe that. We need to obey his commands and stop compromising his word. Because what will happen is sin will render the believers and the church ineffective. See, Israel goes to fight Ai next. They wipe out Jericho. They have no clue what Achan has done. They roll up into Ai, and they had sent spies. This becomes like a normative thing. Joshua sends spies in, and they come back, and they say, hey, man, we don't even need to send the whole group. Like, there ain't no need in that. They're small. We'll wipe them out. Let's send about 3,000. They go in there to, to, to fight Ai with 3,000 dudes. 36 of them come, don't come back. They're dead. They get killed. Joshua comes back. He's tearing his clothes. He's spreading ash on himself with the elders. They're devastated. And when we look at the text here, 
What we see is it says in verse 6 of chapter 7, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their heads, and Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over to the Jordan at all? And we'll, we'll get into that more, but the reality is that sin left them ineffective. The Lord had removed his presence from them. They were no different than any other nation going to battle. You win or you lose. It wasn't up to God. Well, it was up to God, but he just let them have what they wanted. You want to sin? You want to be disobedient? Here you go. Here you go. This is how it's going to go for you. And Joshua, he's, he goes on. He's saying these things. He feels so abandoned. But there's hope because God tells Joshua, I would be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. See, we become ineffective as well. We look at God and we think he's let us down. He's let us down. That's what Joshua says. God, why did you bring us over this Jordan just to leave us here to die? I don't understand. And that's how we get, we see that, we think that God has left us ineffective, but the reality is that God's not playing with sin. He has high expectations for his believers. He didn't save you because you were holy, but once he saved you, he expects you to pursue holiness. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. That is what we pursue. We are to be set apart, but when we start to sin, we become ineffective. And you say, well, I love Jesus. Do you? Because Jesus himself says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So if you're not keeping his commandments and then you wonder why you're not effective, it's because you're not living out what he's called you to do. The love for Jesus should result in obedience. But when we stop being obedient as a person, as a church, we become ineffective. Pastor Mike Bird, he's a pastor of a church plant over in North St. Louis that we support. And just one of my closest friends, he preached at Heights back in December of 19 um, when things were still normal before, before COVID. And he said something that really connects to this. He, he talked about, and I'm paraphrasing, he talks about how when we invite our coworkers to church and they don't want to come, we wonder why. Probably because you were getting just as wasted as them at the Christmas party for work. And then you're like, oh, well, I don't understand. Well, because you don't look any different than them. Why would they want to come sit here for an hour to sing songs and then listen to some dude stand up here and talk in a t-shirt that's too small for him? <laughs> why? I had to get you guys to wake up a little bit. It's not too small for me. It's just called gains. <laughs> But the reality is that's what we do. We become ineffective. We can't get people to come to church. We can't share the gospel because we have no right to tell them about anything because we're acting just like them. We talk like them. We do everything else like them. And then we wonder why. Like, I just can't lead anyone to Jesus. I can't know my friends wouldn't come with me to church. Yeah, because why would they? Like, if, I'm gonna, if you're going to act just like me, why would I come? We became ineffective. And we see it with churches and denominations as a whole. They've compromised God's word and they've become completely ineffective and their churches are closing their doors and their denominations are splitting or falling apart. And that's the reality. When you compromise God's word, you're no longer any use for anything. You're not set apart and sin has rendered you ineffective. It's spread through your family, to your church, and to a nation. I mean, look around. You abort 60 million babies, stuff starts to go pretty bad for you as a country. Like that's just the reality of it. We've, we've compromised and we've gotten comfortable and complacent with sin. And we act like it's no big deal. 
It is a big deal. It matters how we live. And as a church, we have to be set apart. We're not supposed to look like everyone else. We're supposed to be peculiar and look different. And to people look at us like, those guys are kind of weird. Yeah, that's okay. Like, that is okay. But what we do is we keep sin hidden, thinking it won't matter and it won't affect anyone else. What affected Aiken's whole family? And so when you're sinning and you think no one knows what you got on your search history on your phone, or no one knows about what you're doing with your money, or no one knows about the habit you have, no, people will eventually know. And it will not just affect you, but it will affect everyone else around you. It will come to light. And it can ruin homes, it can ruin whole families, it can ruin a church when sin is left untouched. Aiken's sin caused a great trouble, great trouble. And we can see that happen if we don't do something different. But here's the thing. Joshua was not the one who sinned, but sin blurs the vision of people as well. Because let's look in verses 7 and 9 through 9. This is what he says. Alas, O God, why have you brought us, this people, over the Jordan at all, to give us into the hands of the Amorites, to, to destroy us? With that, we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O oh Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off your, our name from the earth. This is the question that gets me. Listen to this. This is what Joshua asked God. And what will you do for your great name? Really, Joshua? What will God do for his great name if you guys aren't successful? I don't know. Maybe leave you sit there for 40 years until your generation dies off and then raise up a new generation to go do what God called you to do. Because he did it once, he'll do it again. God does not need us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to get a great name, but Joshua's vision was blurred. He couldn't see because sin started to render the whole thing ineffective. That's what we do. We start to... God, why'd you do this? Why, why'd you do this? Why, why'd you put me in this situation? Why, why did you, this is your fault. You need Heights Community so that we can make a great name for you in Collinsville. He doesn't need Heights Community. This whole building can come crumbling down. It ain't gonna matter. God will still be God. That's the reality of it. But our whole sin, our sin can cause our, just our whole world to come crashing down. And it's not God's fault, it's ours, because God is consistent in the midst of our sin. God's not quitting on them. He is righteous with or without them. And they hadn't done what they were commanded to do. They chose their own way. But there's hope, right? We talked about that already, because he says, I will be with you no more unless... Unless, that's like this great word there, unless you destroy the devoted things from among you there in verse 12. See, God is consistent. He will deal with sin. The trouble that Israel's in is because of their sin, not God's fault at all. But here's the thing with God's consistency and his wrath. It's not going away. God's wrath has not changed yet today. God's wrath is still there. And you think, well, I don't see it this way. You don't see it this way. Because Jesus is now the object of his wrath for the believer. He took on your wrath so you didn't have to. And for those of you in the room, if you're not a believer, you may think, well, I'm not feeling God's wrath. Not yet. But it's coming. It is coming. You will one day feel God's wrath. You will spend eternity in hell because God is a just God. But he's also a gracious God. 
this theme of God being consistent has to be recognized. Otherwise, we just do. We, we think that sin's not going to matter, that he's going to let it go. If we don't see sin in the capacity that God sees it, then we just become this numb to it. I mean, that's just a reality of it. We, we don't let sin affect us the way it should. It should break our hearts. It should bother us. It should just at our core be ripping us apart. And sometimes we're just like numb and we don't let it bother us one bit. And God is not comfortable with it. But again, he shows grace. There is an immediate punishment, though, for the whole nation. 36 people die. They lose a battle. And then you see Achan and his whole family die. They get stoned, then set on fire, and then stoned again, and then a pile of stones set on top of me. You're thinking, well, that seems harsh. What's up with that? Like, let me tell you why the whole family got it. Because there's sins of omission and sins of commission. And you don't think that his family knew? That's a sin of omission. They live in a tent. I mean, like, you live in a tent. Like, I don't know what their tents look like, but let's just say it's a Coleman tent. All right? Like, at most, they didn't have no air mattresses, so they make a little pallet with whatever they had to make pallets out of. And they roll over one night, and, mm, what's that lump under the ground, Aiken? I thought we flattened out this land. Well, that's just that gold bar, honey. Don't worry about it. Don't tell nobody, though. They were just as guilty. They were hiding the sin. And so, yeah, they had to be dealt with. Aiken had to be dealt with. See, we're like that, though. We'll see sin in other people's lives, and we're like, I'm not going to say anything. It's none of my business. Well, depending on how you say it, it is your business. That's why Corey talked about missional communities up here, because when you're in community with other believers, then you can talk to them about their sin. And you're thinking, well, that's not a good selling point for missional community, David. I'm not in one, and I ain't about to get in one now if you're going to talk about my sin. No, you need to be in one because you don't need to stay in your sin. You need to talk about it, hear the gospel applied to it, and then repent and confess. And that leads us to our response to our sin. See, God's response is the same. He's going to remove sin from his presence. Just like he told Joshua. See, God tells Joshua what to do. He tells him to gather all 12 tribes of Israel together, and then God will handle the rest. So what's God do? He starts off with the 12 tribes of Israel and he takes the clan or the tribe of Judah, and then he takes the clan of the Zerahites. Then, man by man from that, he takes Zabdi, which was chosen as a family, and then from Zabdi's household, he chooses Achan. And then Achan confesses what he has done. So, here's the deal he knew he had sinned. Like, as soon as those 36 people died, he knew he had sinned. And yet, he doesn't say a word. And then the 12 tribes come up with Joshua standing there. He knew he was getting ready to get called out. Keep him quiet. Comes down to his clan. It's getting closer. Keep him quiet. Now it's down to his household. Keep him quiet until he gets called out. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I did it. Now, I mean, think about it. You walk into the room in your living room because you heard a noise. And there's three kids in there. Who broke the TV? <laughs> Not me. Until you start, it probably would be, you start, you start asking questions until you like, oh, it was you. Yeah, it was. I broke the TV. I threw a ball. I know you told me I throw a ball, but I threw a ball in the house and I broke the TV. I'm sorry. That is a confession. That is not a repentance. And see, there's a difference. There is a difference. Achan did not have a repentive heart. 
but he confessed his sin. And so here, I want you to see the difference in confession and repentance. Confession means to agree with God about something. So in the matter of this, is you're agreeing, yes, God, I have sinned against you. I'm confessing that I'm a sinner. Like, we can do that. That's pretty easy to do sometimes. Like, we can, most of us, after some point, through enough, you know, dealing with it, we can confess, yeah, I have sinned. But there's a difference in repentance. Repentance is is grieving the sin, a turning away from the sin, and surrendering to God as sovereign, holy, and worthy of our obedience, so that's, that's so important for us to hear that and understand there's a drastic difference in confessing our sins and repenting our sins. Both are good, but one results in a change of heart and a change of your action. But we're too soft on sin in the church. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to do church discipline. We don't want to have our sin pointed out. We just want to keep doing our own thing and sit in our seats and, and, and just, you know, it'll be okay. We can't be okay with people lingering in sin or ourselves lingering in sin. We have to call people not just to confess, but to repent, to fully repent of their sins and turn away from it, because otherwise it's not biblical Christianity. It's something else. And that's the worry that we have to to really deal with is that God in his goodness, he's made every way that we don't have to end up like Achan, but yet we keep lingering in that in our sin. And here's the bad thing. If God started digging around in our tents, we got our own idols buried that we're worshiping. We got them buried up in there and we're worshiping them and we're just hoping no one ever sees them. We're hiding them from everyone else, but God sees them. He knows. We look at Achan and we think that we're superior to him. We look at the Israelites with disgust. Like we said in that confession, the call to confession, like, I wouldn't do that. You would do it. You'd do it quick. I would have took two gold bars. Now I only took one. You think, I wouldn't have ate that apple or fruit in the garden. I'd have been at the tree before Eve. I don't even know if the snake would have needed to tell me. I might have did it on my own. Like, we're wicked. We're wicked, and we have to respond to our sins. Like, for us, though, the story of Achan should not end in this sorrowful spot, but with the glory of the gospel, we can look to the cross and see the spotless, sinless Son of God nailed to that Roman cross. Because of our sins, dying in our place as our substitute so that we don't have to face the wrath that Achan faced or worse, in eternity in hell. Because if it depends on our own record, we deserve to be stoned. We deserve to be burned up and much worse. But listen to this from Ephesians. This is so good. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with, a, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Hear that. You were dead, okay? You weren't kind of alive. Right now, if you're in this room and you're not a believer, you might be taking a breath, but you're dead. You're dead in your sins, okay? I'm just, I want to drive that home so much for you to, to understand, and I don't say it to be mean. I say it because I care, and I want to see people come to know Christ. Made us alive together with Christ either dead in your sins or alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, not by your good works, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Hear me. God's wrath towards sin has not changed. It's just he has 
put it on something else. Jesus is our substitute. He became everything that Achan was so that we didn't have to face what Achan faced. And so if you're sitting in this room today and you've never repented of your sin, I'm warning you, I'm telling you, so please listen and hear me that without repenting of your sins, without turning to Jesus Christ and putting all your faith in him, you will spend eternity separated from him and it will be much worse than what Achan faced. Do not walk out of here today and think that it's sin is okay, that it's just you're gonna be a good enough person that maybe the scales will balance out. They will not balance out. Your one sin will be enough because one sin was enough to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden, and I promised you've done much worse than they've done. So today, will you repent? Will you let Jesus take your place for your sins? He's already done everything. You just need to repent. And so we're going to pray. We're going to respond to the gospel. If you're a believer, I'm going to walk us through 1 Corinthians 11 and talk about communion. And if you're a believer, I want to encourage you to take, take communion. Rejoice at all that Jesus has done for you. But if you're sitting in this room, and you're not a believer, you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to walk towards that back room. I didn't even do this in a 945 service, but I feel God's calling me to do it. Now, I'm going to be in that back row. Corey's going to be in that back row. Either one of us would love to talk to you more about what it means to give your life to Christ. If you don't want to do that, you don't need us. You can sit right there, and you can repent to God and give your life to Christ. It says in Romans 10, 13, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Do not leave here today thinking you're okay. Deal with the sin just like Joshua and Israel did. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you provided a way that we do not have to face what Achan faced, but God, that we can be made right with you because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Lord, if there's anyone here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I, I beg of you, save them. Soften their hearts. Turn their heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Move in their lives. Convict them of their sins that they may repent and turn to you, Jesus. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.